It's Monday, August 9th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynes, the Indians get out of the weekend, uh, taking two out of three against Detroit. Uh, really, yesterday, uh, the key in that game, a uh, two-run home run by Bradley Zimmer after uh, Zach Plesak had kind of struggled, gave up five runs. Bullpen came in and, and shut things down and, and allowed them to, to, to get the go-ahead runs by Zimmer there. Uh, in the seventh inning. Yeah, good, a good win, Joe. Uh, they needed it. Uh, you know, they've been, they've been struggling uh, to get their, to try to get back to 500 since the all-star break. I think they're eight and 13 since the break. Uh, they kicked the ball around again uh, Sunday early, you know, a couple errors. Uh, Andres Jimenez, Jimenez is back. is starting his first game at shortstop. And the first ball hit to him goes through his leg. So that was not a very good beginning. But he came back with a sacrifice fly. And uh, they played they played much better from the middle of the game on. And, you know, Zimmer gets a big home run in the seventh inning there to uh, break the 5-5 tie. Uh, Zimmer at home actually has has not been too bad. He's actually been pretty good. Uh, his, his splits on the road versus home, uh, batting average 311 at home, 188 on the road. Uh, and he's slugging 419. He's got a he's got an 839 OPS with uh, a home run and 11 RBIs at home. On the road, a totally different story. 188 batting average, uh, 565 OPS, uh, only seven RBIs. But uh, why why do you think that is? Is he just more comfortable at home? Hitting the ball? Yeah, I, I don't know, Joe. I think it's just kind of an oddity. You see the you see those kind of splits every year amongst players I think it's just uh you know it's just one of those things maybe he does feel more comfortable here you know because you know he doubled in the uh, fifth inning and he almost hit that one out of the park Mm -hmm. too so you know his swing is getting better um perhaps you know he just feels more he sees the ball better at home I'm I'm not sure but you know next year could be just the opposite you could flip-flop it yeah, it just looks like he drives the ball, and he just sits down and, and sort of drives the ball a little more at, in his home park. Uh, it, it brings up a, an interesting question. You and I were talking a little bit before we started recording here. Uh, Miles Straw, and and he's, uh, you know, he hasn't been lights out since he came over at the trade deadline, but he's he's sort of shown flashes and shown, you know, it, a little bit of what the Indians thought his potential was and why they pursued him at the trade deadline. Uh, and, and he's definitely got a lot more uh, – he's, he's a lot more affordable and a lot more years of control uh, ahead of him uh, for the team. Uh, what do you think it makes, uh, you know, Miles Straw, Bradley Zimmer, Zimmer obviously approaching arbitration at some point. Uh, what do you think the team does there? Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting situation. Uh, you know, I like uh, – that's a pretty – that's a lot of speed at the top of the lineup. You know, hitting Straw and Zimmer – in one, two, as they did uh, yesterday, they both have great stolen base rates. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, Antonetti is pretty much, the Indians have pretty much come out and said Straw is going to be their, you know, center fielder. You know, that's Bradley's best position. You know, Straw is a couple years younger than, uh, than, than Zimmer. Uh, and Zimmer is going to be eligible for arbitration this winter. So I think, you know, we're coming to a point here where, you know, they've seen Zimmer. They know what he can do. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get non-tendered or not, but I would definitely think he's probably a candidate, you know, to be uh, non-tendered and become a free agent after this season. But the outfield is so 
it's such a, you know, it's just like a, a turned over anthill. You know, you don't know who's going to play where. So, um, you know, and when you have, you know, strong center and, and uh, Bradley in right field, you know almost every fly ball hit out there is going to get caught. Right. That, that we saw Miles Straw with that uh, sliding game-saving catch uh, in, in Toronto last weekend uh, or last week. I, I, I just think he looks the part of a, a leadoff center field, you know, player right out there. Uh, Miles Straw just looks like he sort of settled things down in the, in the middle of the outfield. And you build around him on the corners uh, with some of these other young guys. Uh, and, and Bradley Zimmer, if, if it means he gets non-tendered, if it means he, he ends up leaving the organization, then it's not like Bradley Zimmer didn't have his opportunities with this organization. Yeah, and, you know, unfortunately, he was hurt for much of the time he's been here. And we really haven't got a, you know, good look at him since, you know, 2017, 2018. Um, but, you know, he's getting his chance now. And I guess, you know, he's got two months left here. And I would say, uh, you know, ball out right now. This is the time to, this is the time to play. And, Joe, you should have straw put on like a, a demonstration uh, Saturday night in the first three innings. Eli Morgan, I think, was uh, – he, he was he, – Eli Morgan was testing every inch of center field and the gaps in the first three innings against the Tigers, and Straw ran everything down. It, it was really it was really fun to watch him out there. Straw became intimately uh, aware of the, the warning tracks and the distance between yeah. uh, the warning track and the fence uh, on, on a lot of those plays. Uh, that that's great. I want to talk uh, a little bit about uh, Zach Plesac yesterday's starter. Uh, Plesac gave up five runs uh, and really in his last maybe, you know, three, four outings, uh, Plesac's, you know, struggled a little bit. Uh, four earned runs allowed yesterday, five total. Uh, six earned runs in his previous start against Toronto. Uh, and then two starts before that against Tampa, he gave up four earned runs in, in six innings. Uh, you know, so really that's, that's not going to get the job done, giving up four earned runs uh, every time you go out, uh, with, especially with this Indians offense. These guys uh, have to be, a, a, you know, a little bit better than that. Plesek just looks like he's, he's sort of he'll, – he'll have an inning or two where he loses it. Yeah, and he's, he's kind of – that's kind of been his M.O. since he came up there. The injured list, Joe, and I was, I'm wondering, you know, perhaps, you know, he's, he, you know, he's, he worked so hard and that maybe he rushed himself back just a little bit. Maybe that thumb may, might still be bothering him or, you know, he just kind of lost his groove for a while, but, but yesterday he had some problems with the home plate umpire. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he walked to the first two guys in the second inning and you, you know, that's unlike him. He, he doesn't walk too many people and he walked three guys yesterday they all came around to score you know but you could tell he was him and the umpire were not seeing eye to eye in the strike zone and then they kicked the ball around they you know uh Jimenez made an error then uh I think um uh, Ernie Clement made an error at second base on a double play or at least you know a double play ball that should have been turned and that you know he was he was at 70 pitches after three innings right well, you know, the, the only thing I can say to that is uh, this is the time right now for Jimenez and Clement to be making those errors. I think uh, over the next two months, get those all out of your system. And, you know, by the time they come back next year in spring training, uh, don't be making those errors because you won't yeah. be making yeah. Joe, I got to ask you, Ernie Clement is kind of, you know, I just thought he was a utility guy, but he's kind of, mm -hmm. 
he's kind of worked his way into the lineup here, either at third base or second base. He's kind of a, an interesting guy, and I, I don't know where he fits. Obviously, if, if Jose is here, he's not going to play third base, but right. maybe he's a candidate to play second base. As your full-time second baseman, that would be very interesting. I, I, I don't know. I was told – I did a story about Ernie Clement after he was in the Arizona Fall League, I think, uh, back in 2019. He did the Arizona Fall League in 2019. And heading into the 2020 season, I, I interviewed him uh, from, from out there. Uh, the comparison that I got on Ernie Clement was uh, John McDonald was the, was the comp that, that he plays a lot like John McDonald. I, I think he gives you a little bit more offense than, than yeah. uh, Johnny McDonald did. His, his swing is definitely uh, a little compact. It's, it's good. He, he puts the ball in play. Uh, but defensively, if he could be anything like Johnny Mac, uh, that's – that gets in the second base spot right there. Uh, I don't know. They, they'll give him a shot. I, do you think Owen Miller gets a, a look at second base? Yeah, or is you know, he... Owen Miller is another guy, you know, I kind of, you know, I haven't been really bowled over by this guy since he came up, you know, especially since he had the, the big spring and the great start at, at AAA. We haven't seen that, but, you know, he's hit two home runs in his last three, four, five games here. Uh, he hit one yesterday. So maybe we're starting to, you know, maybe he's just starting to relax and, and, and uh, just get used to being in the big leagues because it looks like he's going to get a chance here, Joe. It looks like right. the organization likes him, whatever, so, you know. So I think he's going to get every opportunity. So the, the question is, heading into next season, do they go out and get a second baseman or do they have their second baseman and they're just trying to figure out who it is within the organization? Uh, I think, uh, you know, just the way things go financially, I think it's probably – probably uh more b than a there yeah definitely and you know i guess you know if if it's not jimenez doesn't go play second maybe he's your shortstop and then you you you, you try rosario at second I, you know i don't think he's played there but you know he's certainly been the probably their most consistent hitter this year well i can tell you yeah you need rosario's bat in the lineup and uh you've got him for at least next year right you, he's, yeah. he'll be uh pre-arbitration eligible so well, he's he's arbitration arbitration eligible. eligible? Okay, yeah. uh, he got so paid this year too. Yeah, he'll have him next year. You need his bat in the lineup, and he won't be playing center field. So yeah. that's uh, the other thing. Uh, Bobby Bradley uh, over at first base. He hasn't played uh, since Friday's game. Uh, hurt on a slide at the plate. Uh, really, we haven't heard much about the injury. Uh, Chris Antonetti didn't have much to tell us on on Sunday. Yeah, Demarlo Hale said, uh, you know. After the game Friday, that he that uh, Bradley came was hurt at trying to score on uh, from second base in a uh, on uh, uh, Harold Ramirez's single, and he you know was tagged out. Great throw by uh, uh, whoever the center the Hill the center Derek Hill the Tiger center fielder got him, and he, he said he hurt hurt the knee on the slide home, and uh, they they thought it was a bruise. They sent him for an MRI. And uh, they, they were taught and, and yesterday, you know, so he didn't play Saturday, he didn't play Sunday. And it sounded like uh, they were trying to, you know, just see, they didn't think it was bad. That's what they were saying. That's uh, no structural damage. And, uh, and they felt it was a contusion. So, uh, you know, we'll see, maybe he's in the lineup today. Yeah. We'll, we'll see when the lineups come out here in, uh, in, in a short while. Uh, all right. Let's uh, some of the other uh, league-wide news. Uh, we have to address the the incident or the issue with uh, 
the investigation, I guess, into uh, Omar Vizquel uh, accused of uh, sexual harassment by a former member of the uh, Birmingham Barons uh, clubhouse staff back when Omar was managing there uh, in the White Sox organization. Uh, just I, without getting into the, the details of the accusations, uh, this really does not put Omar in a, in a good spot. You know, not just we're talking about the Hall of Fame here and, and his candidacy there, but uh, really this, is, this compounds things when, when he's also facing accusations of uh, domestic abuse from his, his wife. Yeah, not just kind of a an ugly story, you know. The the this uh, the bat boy. This happened in two nine two thousand nineteen when Omar was the manager at Birmingham and ended up. It, the result was, uh, you know, uh, the White Sox fired him over this incident, and uh, and to make matters worse, the, the bat boy was is autistic. He's twenty five now, and he filed, you know, a, a sexual harassment lawsuit against uh, Vizquel, the, the White Sox and the Barons in, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in, in, in court in Alabama on Friday. So, you know, this story has been, uh, you know, out there since then. And, uh, you know, just like you said, Joe, just puts, uh, you know, I, I feel terrible for the, the kid. Well, he's not a kid anymore. He's 25 years old. But, you know, what, you know, it just, it just goes to Sometimes the baseball culture just gets out of control and, you know, you have to be, you know, you need adult supervision. It seems like in, mm -hmm. in locker rooms and, and most of the time you get it and sometimes you don't. And it's just, I feel terrible for the kid and Omar just puts him in a terrible light. And, uh, you know, it, it just, uh, it, to me, Joe, it, it, yeah. And nobody has written better things about Omar than me. I'm, I, I have been his biggest fan since day one, but it just goes to show you that you really don't know someone until you look, you know, until you, right. you walk in their shoes. I mean, you, you see him every day and, you know, I saw Omar every day for 10 years. I thought, you know, during the season, you think, you know, people, but you really don't. No. And, and that, that also, you know, puts you in a, in a, a weird, unusual position because, you know, based on what you knew and, and the, the 10 years of, of covering him and, you know, just based purely on the baseball aspect of his career, uh, there's no question that Omar Vizquel is a Hall of Famer. But now you have to take in sort of the, the character aspects of things. And uh, it's not like he was injecting himself with steroids. That's that would have in, improved his play on the field. And that's a reason not to vote for somebody who did that for sure. But this is a this is a character issue. This is you know is he a Hall of Fame person? And there are plenty of not Hall of Fame persons in the Hall of Fame already. Yeah. But we're in a new age where every little detail of your your life is going to come out, and uh, I, I I think it's going to be a very very long and difficult road if if Omar you know expects to try and you know be eligible or make the Hall of Fame at some point. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Yeah, you know, you don't want to jump to conclusions, you know, guilty until proven. I mean, you're innocent until proven <laughs> guilty. But, uh, you know, the Kurt Schilling, you know, Kurt Schilling's case in, uh, for the Hall of Fame has brought, you know, character to the forefront of this. And there is a clause in there, you know, as, as, as you're going down the criteria to vote about character. So, you know, it just, it, 
you know, it, I, I, you know, unless something really dramatic happens, I don't see how Omar's getting in. I mean, I, yeah. I thought, you know, he was until, you know, this past season when the domestic violence thing came out, that, that really right around the time the votes were being cast, that, that hurt him. And, and this, you know, I mean, he, right now he's got nobody to blame but himself. Right. And that's that's the case. Uh, another uh, ugly sort of incident, and we're, we're getting actually by the minute uh, new details on it. Uh, in, in Colorado yesterday, uh, there was an incident where a Marlins player was at the plate. Uh, a, uh, uh, an African-American uh, Marlins player was at the plate, and on video of the game, uh, one of the spectators could clearly be heard. Uh, well, maybe not so clearly, but... Uh, uh, be heard yelling a racial slur, uh, what a lot of people assume to be a racial slur. Uh, the latest, the very latest that I'm seeing right now on social media, a, uh, a television reporter, Steve Stager from uh, Denver. Uh, the, the Rockies mascot is, his nickname is Dinger. And that's always been a very problematic name, I think, uh, for a lot of people, because it cuts way too close to things that can be misconstrued. Uh, apparently the Rockies have, uh, been in contact with the fan who was witnessed on the, on the video. And, uh, the fan says that he was shouting at the Rockies mascot dinger and not using a racial slur. The Rockies have spoken to the fan who confirms this was the case. And they also reviewed video, uh, from the local broadcast. So, uh, this is going to have a lot of different layers going forward, but just the reaction, the initial reaction uh, when it was first believed and, and understood that this this guy was sitting behind home plate and and just openly shouting a racial slur at a at a black player was was pretty ugly and pretty quick. You're not kidding, and you know I saw it on Twitter. I I listened to it, and uh, you know it sure sounds know like the first first time yeah. first time you hear it. Sure sounds like it's yeah. pretty bad. Yeah, and it sounds like that, and maybe, who knows, you know, and it, it seemed out of place, so, to me, I, I just, I didn't get it, you know, I mean, it's the ninth inning, and you're getting on this guy now, I mean, right. but still, it, it, just uh, the optics of it, and just terrible, I mean, you know, just a, a nasty, a nasty uh, reminder of, you know, what minority <laughs> players have gone through in the past, you Baseball doesn't need that now. Baseball is, I mean, there's, you know, there's like 28, 28% of uh, almost 30% of the players in baseball are minor, minorities. And you're out there, you hear that word and you, you just I, like. How, uh, how did, did everybody in that stadium just not turn on this guy immediately? That's, that's, uh, I put it on the fans surrounding the guy. If, if this was the case, then. Why wasn't he singled out, pointed out, and removed from the stadium immediately? The guy was yeah. probably, you know, it was a sunny Sunday afternoon game. The guy was probably loaded. And if indeed he was shouting at the mascot and not the player, then he was probably trying to be funny, and it really wasn't. I, obviously, I'm assuming a lot here. But that it looked like a scene out of a Jackie Robinson movie. Yeah. You're, you're, we're going back 60 years. You're, you're putting it just awful, terrible imagery uh, with that. And, and how a player doesn't take a bat up into the stands, for, it just 
defies my, my, well, they said on, they on either team. Said the player didn't said he didn't hear it. That he didn't right? hear it. Wow. Yeah, they, that they didn't hear it. They didn't even hear it in the dugout. So who knows? You know, I mean, it just hopefully they get to the bottom of it and they sort it out. But boy, people were quick to react. So I guess you. But still, it just. I I, I hope to hope to goodness that that this guy was yelling at the mascot and not, and not at the, uh, not at the, uh, the Marlins player. Well, the, the very latest, uh, the Rockies have investigated and found no racial slur was used towards the Marlins, Lewis Brinson in the ninth inning. So uh, hold on to your seats because I'm sure this is, uh, yeah. this will, this will be the end of the Rockies uh, uh, Triceratops mascot uh, <laughs> dinger. I, I, I can, say with confidence that that mascot will not be uh, around much longer. Uh, yeah. And that, that mascot has been in Cleveland uh, to celebrate Slider's yeah. birthday before at the all-star game. I just, yeah, that's, that is uh, way too troublesome of a name uh, to, to keep around for uh, Well, that's because hey. there's so many dinosaur fo- fossils out in, in Colorado, right. right? Right. Oh yeah. 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 But you know, hey, Slider doesn't offend anybody. So, yeah. Slider, Slider, you can keep him for Indians. You can keep him for Guardians. He's not going to be a problem for anybody except for, you know, fuchsia-colored weirdos. I don't know. Uh, all right. Uh, Sam Hentges on the mound uh, today, 6 p.m., makeup game against the Reds. Joey Votto's hitting everything, isn't he? He's, uh, oh he's coming goodness. in here, and the Indians can never pitch to Joey Votto. And the Reds are rolling too, Joe. They've won, I think, five straight, 10 of their last 12. The Ohio Cup is on the line here. If the Indians win, they retain it by tie, I think. But yeah, it could go to it could go the Reds' way here. If the Indians win, it's a push. If the Reds win it, they take it back for the first time in what, like four years or something. Yeah, something like that. Long time, yeah. 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 So we'll uh, we'll see. I'll be at the ballpark and uh, we'll talk to you again tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. 